Well, it's so good to be with you guys. Uh, we are going to uh, begin to talk about our new vision for discipleship at Kauai Bible Church. Our, our executive staff and our board, we have been working through a process called the Simple Church Process where we are trying to get a, a clear vision for how we want to do discipleship and, and how we want to move forward. And I'm excited now to begin to share that vision with you guys as we have spent the last few months putting it together. The, the title of the sermon series is going to be Hop on the Bus. Hop on the Bus. Now, some of you are older, may that immediately think of the song, Hop on the Bus, God's on the Move, It Don't Matter What You've Done. All right, I actually got a response to this service. Last service, I just got a bunch of blank stares like nobody had ever heard of that song before. So, um, But that song is not actually why I chose the title. I just made me think of it when I chose the title, and then, you know, you start humming it, and you can't get it out of your head. But the reason I chose this title is actually a quote from a guy named Bob Goff. Bob Goff was a lawyer. He was actually a U.S. ambassador to Uganda, and uh, he was a follower of Christ, and he began writing books and started traveling and speaking and, and uh, graduated from being a lawyer to, to being an author and a speaker. But here's a quote from Bob Goff. He said this. He said, God intended us to travel through life in community. Think bus, not unicycle. I think in this day and age, we get more and more isolated. And where God intended us to be on a bus, we find ourselves on a unicycle. We're just trying to do it ourselves. We're trying to balance life. We're trying to get everything figured out. We're trying to solve our problems. We're trying to face our weaknesses and deal with it. But we're doing it on a unicycle. We're doing it by ourselves. We don't let anybody else in. We're afraid for people to know the real us. We don't want people to see the cracks and the flaws and find out, you know, who we really are and what we really struggle with. And so we keep everybody at a distance. We love Jesus. We love church. But we do our faith on a unicycle. And I want us to hop on the bus. I want us to think of our journey together as one that we were intended to do together in close proximity to each other, moving in the same direction. Let's be honest. In this day and age, we can listen to worship music from the best musicians around the world at any given moment. Right? We can go to Apple Music, we can go to Spotify, we can go to whatever music service you use, and you can pull up your favorite style, whether it's the new stuff or the oldies, you can pull up the best musicians, you can pull up any song you want to, and you can worship God to amazing musicians all by yourself. We also live in a day and age where you can pull up podcasts from the best speakers, the, the, the most engaging communicators, amazing pastors from all over the world who just have great insight and just share stuff that just gets you excited. And, and you can pull up those podcasts and you can listen to those all by yourself. So the very things that we do here in church on Sunday, which is worshiping to music and hearing somebody teach us the word, the things we come together to do, you can do all by yourself. And not only can you do them all by yourself, you can listen to people who are more talented than myself and Pastor Danae. And you can listen to them do it instead of us. So why come to church and listen to some people do it who are a little less talented? Why? Because we're supposed to be on a bus, that's why. We're not supposed to be on a unicycle. We're supposed to be doing this together and moving in a direction together. If you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 10. 
And we're going to read verses 19 through 25, and then we're going to break it down and show you how it relates to our, our new vision for discipleship. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 begins with, therefore. Remember, whenever you read therefore, you've got to ask yourself, what is it therefore? What was the writer just saying prior to this? And just prior to this, what was he talking about? He was talking about how under the old Jewish system, now this is the book of Hebrews, right? So it was written to Hebrews. It was written to Jewish people who understood the old covenant, and the writer was trying to help them understand the new covenant. And so he's writing to them, and he's telling them, you know what it's like under the old covenant. Every day the priest is slaughtering animals. Every day they're shedding blood. Every day there's bulls, and there's goats, and there's, there's sheep, and there's birds, and they're sacrificing over and over again. Why? Because the blood of animals is not sufficient to cover your sin. But then he talks about the one whose blood was sufficient and that Jesus died for us once for all. He doesn't have to keep dying. He doesn't have to keep shedding his blood. Shedding his blood one time was more than enough. And now we have access to God, not through a human priest who stands at an altar for us, but we have access to God through Jesus who is our great high priest and we can go into the presence of God with great confidence. So that's everything he was talking about before verse 19. And then he says, therefore, based off of that, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So as we talk about this idea of thinking bus, not unicycle, the first thing that I hope that jumps out at you when we read this short passage of Scripture is that every single pronoun in this passage is plural. Every single pronoun is plural. There's 11 pronouns in there. Two of them are we, four of them are us, four of them are our, and one is you, but it's the plural you. It's the you all or y'all, depending on where you're from. It's the Greek plural. All 11 pronouns are plural. It is impossible to fulfill these biblical mandates alone. It's impossible. We have to be together. We need one another to become who God intended us to be. And so we need to get on the bus and move together to discover who God wanted us to be. What is our motivation? Well, that's what the writer was talking about when he, when he was talking about since we have the blood of Jesus covering our sins. That should be motivation. We have the blood of God himself who came in a human form to die for us, and that blood is more than sufficient to forgive our sins. That means that if I receive Jesus and walk with him, I am forgiven of every horrible thing I've done. I'm forgiven of my every failure, and I am given the chance now to be a brand new person. That's good news, and that should motivate me to want to jump on the bus and be a part of what God is doing. He also says, since we can confidently enter into the presence of God. I don't need another man 
to go under a heavy curtain to get into the presence of God for me. Jesus ripped that curtain in half. There is nothing standing between me and the presence of God. I can go into his presence, and I can go into his presence with confidence. Not timidly, not scared, not nervous, not ashamed, but confidence. Confident that I'm accepted here. Confident that I belong here. Confident that I'm okay here in the presence of God. That should be motivation. If I can confidently enter the presence of God, I want to jump on the bus. I want to be a part of what God is doing. And then he also says, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, I can jump on the bus. We have a great high priest. I don't have to depend on anybody else to pray to God for me. I have Jesus himself standing at the right hand of God, declaring my name into God's ear. And every time I cry out to God, Jesus himself speaks my name into God's ear. I have a great high priest. That should encourage me to jump on the bus. The writer then goes into our response. And I want to look at our response, and I want to show you how it leads us into our vision for discipleship and what we want to accomplish together as a community. It starts in verse 22. He says, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Let us draw near. Near to what? Near to God. To draw near to Him in intimacy, to draw near to His manifest presence, to experience what He is doing. Let us draw near with a sincere heart. You notice it doesn't say with a perfect heart. We're always going to have sin as long as we've got this human heart within us. We're always going to have our struggles. We're going to have our imperfections. We're going to have our things we wrestle with. But if we come before God with a sincere heart, It says, God, I'm not perfect, but boy, I want you. God, I'm not perfect, but I want you to work through me. God, I don't have it all figured out, but I just want to be close to you. That we can draw near to God with a sincere heart. And so, this is new. You may not have noticed this, but we are now putting the sermon notes into the Sunday bulletin. So if you haven't opened up your bulletin yet this morning, the notes are in there. And we're going to put a few blanks in there to help keep you engaged so you can fill in some blanks. And if you don't have a pen, there's pens in front of you or behind you if you're in the front row. Let us draw near. So the first word I want you to consider is encounter. Encounter. What is an encounter? An encounter is a meeting with a person or a thing. Sometimes it's brief. Sometimes it's unexpected. But you have encountered somebody. And so I want to talk today about encountering God. Let us draw near with a sincere heart, with full assurance of faith, so that we can encounter God. And every encounter is going to be a little bit different. Sometimes it will be brief. Sometimes it will be longer. Sometimes it will be planned. Sometimes it will be unexpected. Sometimes we'll know what God's about to do, and sometimes we'll have no idea what God is about to do. But all we know is we want to draw near to him. We want to be in his presence. We want to encounter God. Second one is this, verse 23. The writer says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So the second one is, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And I really like the fact that he used the word confession and not just faith, right? He didn't just say, hold fast to your faith. He said, hold fast to your confession. 
What's the difference? Well, our confession is something that we say out loud. Our confession is something that we declare. Our confession is something that we let the people around us know about. Back in the early church, they had what were called creeds. And creeds were just a collection of phrases that were kind of simple and easy to memorize. So even if you didn't have a Bible, you at least had the confession of your faith because you had the creed memorized. And you could declare the creed. You could declare what you believed. Probably the earliest recorded creed was written by Paul. And we find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 3 through 5. Paul writes this in his letter, but it's really likely that this was a creed that he repeated all the time. He taught it to his disciples, and he taught it to people. He says this, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. That was his creed. This is what we believe. We believe that Christ died for our sins just like the Bible said he would. We believe he was buried, and we believe he was raised on the third day just like the Bible said he would be. And we believe that after he was raised, he appeared to Cephas, who was Peter, and then to the 12 original apostles. That was their creed. That was their confession. Later on, an apostles' creed was developed. Now, the apostles' creed wasn't written by the original apostles. It was written shortly after that first generation of apostles died. And most of them that died were murdered, right? And it was written to preserve the teaching of the original apostles. This is what the Apostles' Creed says. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It's hard to even say that out loud without getting excited, right? This is what we believe, and we need to know what we believe. We need to be able to confess and declare what we believe so that what we believe will begin to transform who we are and how we live. And so the writer says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith. Let us not waver from it. Let us not be ashamed of it. Let's not try to hide it. Let's not place it on the back burner like it's some just extra part of who we are. Let's hold fast to it. And I'd like to propose to you the word build. Build. Of course, build could simply mean to put something together. But on a deeper level, build means to establish, to increase, or to strengthen. And so I want us to build our faith. How can we hold fast to our confession if we don't know what our confession is? How can we know that he who made the promise is faithful if we're not growing in our knowledge of who he is and what his promise is? But that we would build our faith so that we could hold fast to our confession. Next, in verse 24, he says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. Let us consider 
how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. That word consider in the Greek means not only careful consideration, but also thoughtful attention and deep concern. So it means that we're actually concerned for the people that we're in community with, that we're actually thinking about the people that we're on the bus with, that that we care not just about our own walk with God and the steps that we need to take, but we're actually thinking about other people and the steps that they need to take, and how can I help them take those steps? How can I get involved? How can I stir other people up? How can I do this? How can I stir them up both to love and to good deeds? Love being the inward condition of our hearts and the good deeds being the outward expression of the condition of our hearts. How can I stir people to love and to good deeds? And so I'd like to present to you the word engage. To engage means to occupy oneself, to become involved, to assume an obligation or a commitment. That we would engage in service that we would occupy ourselves with the work of the kingdom, that we would become involved in the lives of the other people who have hopped on the bus with us, that we would be committed to the church, that we would be committed to doing the work of the kingdom of God and, and, and all that God has asked us to do, that we would engage. And finally, number four, verse 25 says, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not forsaking our own assembly together. That word forsaking is a strong word. In the Greek, it means to abandon. It means to leave somebody in the lurch. It means somebody was counting on you and you weren't there. And the writer says, don't forsake our own assembling together. Don't forsake the gathering together. Don't forsake the bus, is what he's saying. Don't abandon the bus. Don't leave the people in the bus in the lurch. As is the habit of some who have chosen to ride a unicycle instead. So what's the opposite of not forsaking, or what's the opposite of forsaking? It's being encouraging. And to encourage people, we need to be together with them. Be in the trenches, fighting the good fight, living life together. And so I want to present to you the word belong. Belong means to be a part of, to be in relationship with other members of a group. The Kauai Bible Church, we want to belong in community. It's a part of who we are. So here's where we're going with this. From the writer of Hebrews, we have heard that we should together as a community, we should encounter God. That together as a community, we should build our faith. That together we should belong to one another. And as a community, we should engage in service. So what we have done is we have taken all four of these phrases and we have put them into this logo. And this is the new discipleship process of Kauai Bible Church with each one of these phrases representing a step in the process. But the process, as you can see, is a circle which means it doesn't ever end. Discipleship isn't a class that you take that when the class is over, ta-da, now I'm a disciple. No, discipleship is a process that we're in, that we're in for the rest of our lives, that we encounter God, that we belong in community, that we build our faith, that we engage in service. And you'll notice with the pictures there, one of our elders is an agricultural engineer. 
So it's all plant stuff. But you can see we go from the seed to the sapling, from the sapling to the rooted tree, from the rooted tree to producing fruit. And then what does the fruit do? Reproduces seed of its kind. So now we've got more seed, which means we have more saplings, more rooted trees, more fruit, which will produce more seeds, and it will be a continual process step by step. Now here's the awesome thing. Check this out. So the question is, What's the new mission statement of Kauai Bible Church? What's our mission statement? Here it is. To encounter God, belong in community, build your faith, and engage in service. That's it. That's our new mission statement. It's going to drive everything that we do. Somebody asks you, hey, what's Kauai Bible Church all about? Well, we're all about encountering God, belonging in community, building our faith, and engaging in service. Right? You call it an elevator pitch, even though we don't have a lot of elevators on this island because we don't have a lot of tall buildings. But the elevator pitch, if you're in an elevator with somebody for 30 seconds, you can tell them all about our church. Man, at Kauai Bible Church, we encounter God. We belong together in community. We build our faith, and we engage in service. Now, the simple church process, what it says to do is once you've created the steps of your process is you choose one program for each step. That's what keeps it simple, and people don't get cluttered. So we've created one program for each step. Encounter God. What's our program? It's Sunday service. The whole reason we gather together on Sundays is to encounter God together. We encounter Him through the worship and the music. We encounter Him through the teaching of His Word. We've come together to encounter God. And we're also going to sprinkle in a few encounter nights as well. We're going to have some all-church worship and prayer nights. Belong in community. What's the program? It's our new belong groups, and that's what we're rolling out today. Build your faith. What's the program? It's going to be rooted groups. Now, we don't have rooted groups yet. They actually don't even exist. It's theoretical. Um, I'm actually going to uh, fly out to a pastor and, and have him kind of mentor me in rolling these out properly. So maybe by the end of the year, we'll be ready to roll out rooted groups. And what are the rooted groups? That's where you're going to get together with a small group of people, and you're going to go deep together. You're going to go deeper in Bible study. You're going to go deeper in accountability, holding each other accountable to, to living out your faith. And then engage in service. What's the program for that? Be a part of a ministry team. What's a ministry team? Well, the worship team is a ministry team. The new ukulele ministry is a ministry team. We have a team that goes out with our Church on the Beach mobile food truck. That's a ministry team. Uh, those that serve greeting at the front door or doing different stuff like that, that's our first impressions team. We have ministry teams, and we're going to continue to expand as we grow different ministry teams. How about, how about the Keiki ministry team, teachers and those that serve in the classrooms and, and, and help disciple our kids? Ministry teams. And so if somebody comes to our church, this is the great thing, is there's not going to be any question, well, I came to church, now what do I do? Well, you came to church, well, you encountered God. Now find a belong group and belong in community. And then once you've been in a belong group for a while, maybe you'll find a small group of people to, to be in a rooted group with. And then maybe you'll join a ministry team and you'll begin to serve. And then maybe you'll be a part of creating the Sunday service and encountering God. Now maybe you'll be leading your own belong group. Now maybe you'll be, and it'll just continue to replicate and grow. That's the vision, you guys. That's what we're going after. Encounter God, belong in community, build your faith, engage in service. Right out of Hebrews chapter 10. This is our vision, and this is where we want to go. 
And we want to invite everybody to hop on the bus. Now, this was just the introduction. We're going to spend the next several Sundays breaking down each one of these steps so that we can dig a little deeper and really get it into us that this is the core of our culture and, and, and where we're going. But as we talk about small groups and launching the belong groups today, here's what I wanted to do. I wanted you to really catch the heart and the passion for belong groups. And I couldn't think of a better couple to bring up here to share their heart and their passion for belong groups like Mark and Val Wilman. These guys just eat, sleep, bleed small groups. It's their life. It's their testimony. It's who they are. And I want them to share that passion with you guys this morning. Give it up for Mark and Val Wilman. Thank you, Pastor. Um, before, before we go into that, I wanted to tell you guys that a friend of the church brought, uh, you know what patellis are, right? So he brought pot patelli. So I want to make sure uh, his name is Warren, and I want to make sure that everybody gets some of that. It's in the oven right now, so whoever's serving, if they could serve that up. And the reason why I'm telling you this is it's really good, and I want you guys to get some. And that's what Val and I are up here. We, we think small groups are really good. And we w want everyone here to get some. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if everybody knows us or not, but Val and I were married in 1990. Four years after that, we broke our marriage. And we were separated two and a half years and divorcing. Uh, we actually did the divorce papers, but God, you know, blocked that. And by God's grace, he turned my life around, he turned Val's life around, and he turned our marriage around. And... Uh, we owe a lot of that to small groups. And so that's what we want to talk to you about, how small groups impacted us and in our marriage. Well, I'll tell you about how originally when we were separated, you notice when he said separated two and a half years, he kind of, you know, went over that. Two and a half years, you guys, statistics show that you're not going to make it if you're, gonna, if you're separated that long. So only God could get us back on track. So here we were in the midst of our separation. I looked for a church, and I found Valparaiso Vineyard Christian Fellowship. It's a charismatic church in Valparaiso, Indiana, and it happens to be a cell group church, which is the same as our belong group church, small groups. They really emphasize those, so I thought, okay, I'll find one that fits me. So I found one that I felt was good. It was starting up, and I went the first night, and there were four of us, and um, it was Rick and Paul, and Chris, and I, and Chris brought his guitar, and we sang together, and we cracked open the Bible together, read the Bible together. Um, all of the three of them were single, and I was separated, and so what happened during that time is they had a chance to come alongside me in the pain that I was going through, and pray for me, and also pray for Mark, not even knowing him, and pray for our marriage. So the foundation of the marriage uh, the, the help for our marriage from a belong group or a small group came while we were separated. So <laughs> when we decided to get back together, um, I decided, okay, let's, if we're going to be together, we need to go to the same church. So I said, I asked Mark, would you go to the vineyard with me? Now, Mark has a Catholic background. The vineyard is charismatic. And sometimes things get a little bit chaotic at a vineyard, at least at our vineyard. So we're sitting there, he decided to come, and uh, we're sitting there, and at the end of the sermon, the pastor calls down certain topics for people to come for an altar call. And one of those topics, as you probably guessed, was marriage. 
And so I looked at Mark, knowing his background, and I said, Mark, we don't have to go. It's okay. And he looked at me, and he said, I think God wants us to go. So we should go. So I, all right, well, let's go. So we went down to the front, and I can tell you that chaos was ensuing. I mean, on one side, there's a group laughing, screw, you know, cry, another group was crying. Some were falling down out in the spirit. You know, people were praying and speaking in tongues all over the place. And I thought, God, he will never come here again. <laughs> However, about that time, we both felt this presence behind us. And one of the guys from this, from one of the leaders, actually from our home group, from my home group, put his hand on both of our shoulders, and he just hovered over us and prayed. And I can tell you that we felt that peace that passes all earthly understanding, guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, like a bubble around us. We didn't even notice the chaos that was going on around us. And believe me, it was still going on. And, and Rick was he was really praying into our marriage and just asking God to intercede on our behalf. So here's our home group leader, our 2B home group leader for the next 10 years, actually, Rick did, um, coming in at just the right time. God does that through people that are connected with him and with one another. So after the service, Val invited me to go to a home group or a cell group, I think they called it, and I was like, well, I'd never been to one, but sure, let's go, and I didn't know what to expect, but I walk in, and people were just kind of hanging out, some were lying down, other people were playing music, and I was like, what is going on, because I'm like a really kind of structured kind of guy, you know, I like formality, I like things to start on time, and, and know what's going to happen through a sequence of things, but this cell group wasn't like that, but uh, so I kind of felt two things. I felt like it was unfamiliar as well as I felt like an outsider because I knew that this was her home group. So I was kind of walking into her territory. But at the same time as we went through the evening, I felt welcomed and I felt loved. And, and I knew that they had been praying for uh, me and praying for Val. So I knew that they knew about me. And so I felt like this was this was a kind of a good place to be. And I felt comfortable after, after a few times. But that first time walking through, you know, just because it was unfamiliar, it was uh, strange. Yeah, it can be a little bit scary at first, but boy, what wonderful people there. And of course, it wasn't just the four of us. After a while, many more joined. Um, I want to tell you a few things that I felt I feel like were important <coughs> about that, that home group or that belong group for our marriage in particular. Um, one thing was that we needed a place where we could interact together as a couple. We weren't necessarily doing that. We, were, we led busy lives and had both, you know, worked full time. So it was a time where we could interact with other couples as a couple. And it's interesting how God has created us because physiologically, if you do things together like that as a couple, God will help your system to produce certain hormones that will help you to stay attracted to one another, be faithful to one another, and interact as a couple. It's amazing how that how that all happens. And I know that Psychologists and researchers haven't figured everything out, but we have seen that. So that's one, one thing that um, the home group really helped us in. Another thing was that it was a safe place. Like-minded people, everyone respected marriage and the covenant, so it was a safe place for us to bring our marriage. 
Another thing was, since we were busy, it gave us an opportunity to commit time to one another. And that was a big deal for us. So once a week, we committed that two, three hours to go to the belong group. That was our belong group anyway. It lasted about that long. And that was a treasure because we were trying to tell each other we love each other, we care about each other, we want to, um, to be in alignment with God. And that's another thing is that you get in alignment with God. When you go to a cell group and you crack open the Bible and you encourage one another, strengthen one another in God's word, you learn how to build your identity, and in our case, our relationship and our marriage identity in Christ. So for me, it added uh, what I call an, an, another dimension to our marriage. You know, and there are three components of that, that dimension. It was developing a healthy relationship, like Val said, as a couple, developing it with other people around in a healthy environment. It gave us uh, prayer time, and it taught me how to pray, you know, as a, as a leader of our family, but how to pray together. And if you remember a, way, a while back, Pastor talked about how prayer develops intimacy, and that's, that's, I think, what we were lacking. So that's what I learned how to do in a home group or in a cell group was to pray together in, in a community. But then when Val and I had time to pray together, I knew how to do that. I felt comfortable with that. And then the third thing was as we talked about God in the home group, I felt more comfortable about talking to Val in our relationship about God. So those are all new dimensions that the, the home group added to our relationship. I wanted to uh, share with you an image of something that happened one night at our home group that really illustrates how powerful that a home group can be for a marriage. Um, I met this woman named Nikki. Um, I was a professor at Valparaiso University and at Purdue North Central. And she was taking a couple classes in psychology, finishing up her degree in, in school psychology. And she was older, and we connected really well. So afterwards, we became really good friends. So she kind of went through with me some of the things that Mark and I went through in, during our separation. And I found out that her and her husband, Jerry, also were going through all kinds of trials and tribulations. So when Mark and I got back together and we started attending this home group and I saw what it was doing for us, I kept bothering Nikki. Nikki, please come, you know, bring Jerry, you know, come on your own, you know, do anything, just get there. And no, 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 no was always the answer. And then one night, I remember we were in the kitchen and we had this big table and we had chairs all around and we were all um, cracking open the Bible and reading from the Bible. And we also had this big picture window that you could see outside. And I just saw a flash darting across the picture window and it was, it was my friend Nikki. And I thought, oh, Nikki is here, you know, and she knows it's home group. And then I see Jerry, you know, <laughs> running across the window and dinging the doorbell. And sure enough, they had decided that they had gotten to, really, the pit of hell in their relationship. <laughs> and they were willing to do anything, and so they came. And that night, they walked in. They spilled everything about how rotten each other were and their marriage was <laughs> and everything else. And we got the opportunity as a home group to come around them and pray and assure them that they're not alone and that... Uh, they knew, Mark and I, and so they knew that we had made it, or at least we were in the process of making it through tremendous trials, and that they could do it too. Because with God, all things are possible. And we prayed that into them and over their marriage, and they are still together today. <laughs> so, and they're still de very dear friends, as are the other home group members.
So we love home groups and what they have done for us as well as what we've seen God do in the lives of others. And we've been doing home groups for about 20 years. And the relationships that we have developed through that become like family to us. And we haven't lived in the mainland for about 15 years, but yet we're still close to these, this couple here, to Nikki and Jerry, or to the guy that prayed for us, Rick. You know, it's like we've never been separated, or it's like we're family. So the home groups for us have developed those deep relationships. And just one example of that, um, seven years after we got married, we renewed our wedding vows. So we were separated after four years for two and a half, and then we renewed our wedding vows because I wanted a second chance. I wanted to do it right. And uh, we renewed our wedding vows on Molokai with just some local folks there. But then at, at that time, God impressed on me that this was a good thing to do. So I said, how about if we do this every seven years? So we renew our wedding vows every seven years, and we've done it now four times. The first one was on Molokai. The other three times, we've included our home group family in one way or another in those home group or in those renewals. So that's how special to us uh, people in our home group are, people that, that we've developed these deep relationships with, that we develop, uh, we invite them into our life and they stay in our lives. And we've been privileged to be part of their lives and some of the ups and downs too. So I just want to end by um, letting you know that we chose um, a name for our home group and it's G Living Jesus Out Loud. We've been using that particular name for quite a while. And the reason is because the, it's in the home group where we get together as community and we encourage one another to learn about how we are to live as Christians, who we are in Christ, and gain the strength, the courage, and the power to go out and be light in our community. There's so much darkness around, but the light shines even brighter in the darkness. So through your home group connections and through that courage and confidence that you will gain through those relationships, you can go out and you can live Jesus out loud. And the last thing that I want to say is that we treasure those people that we have been able to walk through life a little bit closer with in our home groups. Mark said that we, we had um, them involved in our vow renewals. They were that important to us. Yeah. But they're, they're treasured friends and family. And we love you. And I see a face out there. Part of our home group. Part of our family. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Man, so much we could take out of that. The relationships, talking about the Bible, growing, figuring life out. So much experience through small groups. So Ben and Brian are actually handing out now our, uh, our new Belong Group brochures. Which mine disappeared. Hang on. And the bulletin. So our Belong Groups... Uh, some of them are going to meet every week. Some of them are going to meet once a month. Some of them are going to meet somewhere in between there. Uh, you're going to find a variety of different groups and different fields, and that's what we're trying to do to, to, to reach a lot of different people is to have different places that you can go. And so they're all going to feel different. Some might have worship and some don't have worship. Some might have food. Some might not have food. Some meet in a house. Some are going to meet outdoors. Uh, they're all going to be different, but the one thing that all of our, our belong groups are going to have in common is that the main content of the Bible study discussion is going to be the Sunday sermon. 
It's going to be discussing the sermon that was preached the previous Sunday. Why are we doing it that way? Well, because generally what happens is myself or somebody else preaches the sermon, and everybody says, hey, pastor, that sermon was awesome. That was so good. And then like three or four days later, you're like, I have no idea what he preached about on Sunday. I have no idea what that sermon was about. Uh, So what we want to do is not only preach a good sermon on Sunday, but we want you to remember it, and we want you to be able to process it and put it into practice. And so that's what we're going to do with our belong groups. We're going to discuss the message. Did you have questions about it? Did you disagree with something? And then we're going to talk about, okay, well, how do we put this into practice? How do we actually live this sermon out in our lives? And so that's going to be the the main content. So if you look at the brochure, on the, the first page there, you're going to see that we have three demographic groups. One is our Legacy Luncheon. This is specifically for adults 55 and over. And it's going to meet on the last Wednesday of every month from 10 a.m. to noon. And and this is going to be a chance to honor our older adults and to create a place where they can be in relationship. Uh, There'll be traditional worship music. So uh, for those that that prefer the, the older traditional music, and it'll just be a great time together. King's Daughters Fellowship is what you currently know as Friday Fellowship. Uh, is they've changed their name to, to become a belong group. And here's the thing, with Friday Fellowship, they had speakers already scheduled through February 8th. So they're going to continue to have those speakers, and then after that, they're going to transition to this model where they're going to discuss the, the content of the Sunday sermon. So that's for women of all ages on Friday mornings. And then men's halftime, Roy and Ben are going to facilitate that, and that's for adult men, and that's going to take place between services on Sunday. So if, uh, if you don't have a lot of time during the week, but you're already here, and, uh, and you can connect with some guys here for about half an hour and, and discuss what's been preached at church. If you turn the page in the middle of the brochure, you're going to see our, our four home groups. Now, all of these home groups meet on Wednesday night. That's not because there's anything sacred about Wednesday And it's not because that's the only night we can have home groups. That's just for the four home group leaders. That's the night that worked for them. And so hopefully in the future we have home groups on different nights of the week as well. But for now they're all on Wednesdays. We're going to have a young adults group. Alan and Danae Castle are going to lead that. And that's going to be for young adults age 18 to, you know, in your 30s. We didn't want to make any of our single people in their 30s feel bad, so we didn't cap it at any sort of age. So, you know, 18 to in your 30s. If you're single or if you're married but don't have kids, uh, that'd be a great place for you. You can see Mark and Val's group, Living Jesus Out Loud, they're in Port Allen, so especially anybody on the west side uh, looking for a home group. Shannon and I are going to do a young families home group, and we're going to have it right here at our house in the Parsonage. And uh, so this is for any families that have young kids. If you've got babies, if you've got toddlers, if you've got elementary age kids, we want to invite you into our home. We have a play area for the kids. Yeah, it's going to be a little chaotic, but let's be honest, raising young kids is chaotic. So we're just going to embrace it, uh, but it's going to be a great place for people that are in that season of life that are raising kids to to come together. And as the pastor, Shannon, and I, we just felt like that was the best place that we could invest in right now. And then Barry and Eileen have their home group in Lihui. So anybody on the east side that's looking for a home group, um, they can check out Barry and Eileen's group there. So those are all on Wednesday night. And then if you turn the page, we have some activity-based groups. So Lannis is going to be doing a pickleball group. And uh, if you haven't heard of pickleball, it's a wonderful sport that doesn't involve a lot of running. So anybody that says hallelujah to a sport that doesn't involve a lot of running... um, 
She's going to do it one or two Saturdays a month at uh, Kalavai Park there in Kalaheo. And uh, so you can talk to her if you're interested in that. Sylvia Oliver is going to be doing a walking group two Monday mornings a month. And so anybody who has Mondays off that would like to just go and meet at Kikuyo Lono Park and just walk, uh, they're going to walk together, and then they'll get up to the pavilion, and they'll sit, and they'll have community time together. And uh, that's inclusive of all ages. She says, so if you're pushing a stroller or if you're walking with a walker and anywhere in between, you can show up and, and walk with Sylvia on Monday mornings. Sugi's doing a guy's video games group one Saturday a month. His, his target audience is the middle schoolers and the high schoolers, but there's some adults that probably want to come and be a part of the group too. So he's going to bring a couple of Xboxes, set up an arena where eight people can be playing each other at the same time. And so um, they're going to shoot each other up for a while and then sit and talk about the Bible. So, um, so Sugi's going to have a video game group. And then I'm going to do a men's weightlifting group. Uh, we have a gym right here in the Parsonage garage. So the last Saturday morning of each month, I'm going to invite the guys to come out. We'll do a, a weight training circuit and we'll make it work for beginners or for veterans. So if if you're lifting lightweight, that's okay. Come lift lightweight. And if you're power lifting heavyweight, then that's awesome. We'll power lift some heavyweight. But any guys that want to come, we'll lift. And then when we're all sweaty and stinky, we'll sit in a circle and talk to each other. So, um, and then we can go home and our wives can tell us how sweaty and stinky we are. So, uh, uh, so those are all the groups that we are going to have. Now, here's something else that we're doing. Sometimes when you go into a group and you know it's going to be a group discussion and then the, the facilitator asks a question and suddenly you feel like you're on the spot, like, oh, now I have like five seconds to try to think of a good answer to this question. Well, we don't want people to feel on the spot. We want people to come to the group and feel prepared. So what you're going to find is on the back of your bulletin, we're going to give you every opportunity to be prepared. So we give you some additional reading. So if you want to do some homework, to dig a little deeper into the topic and think about some things uh, before home group. And then also, we're going to give you the main questions that are going to be asked at group. So you don't have to feel like you're put on the spot. You're going to know in advance what the questions are that you're going to be asked so you could think about them in advance and already be ready to jump into the conversation. And, and so we're going to always put that in the bulletin. We're going to try to figure out how to put that on our, our website, maybe attach it to our podcast so that you've always got a chance to prepare before you come to Belong Group. So that's what we want to accomplish, guys. I'm going to invite all of you to consider signing up for a group. Uh, some of you have already been in groups, and that's great, but we want to see more people jump into groups. And so if you're like, hey, I don't have a car. I don't know how I'm going to get to a group. We'll figure it out. We'll help you get there. Just sign up. If you're like, I don't have time. Well, you gotta, you got to rearrange your life to make some time to, to go to a home group. Uh, you're, you're like, I, I don't even like people. Why would I go to a group? Because God wants you to like people, and that's the best way to learn how is to, is to go to a group. What, whatever it takes, sign up for a group and get into community. And so as we dismiss today, after you get your awesome Patelli stew, is we're going to invite you to meet us out on the lanai here. And all the facilitators are going to be out there, and we're going to have clipboards out there, and we're going to invite you to, to sign up. Now, here's the thing. Just because you sign up to a, for a group doesn't mean you have to go to it. In fact, I would say this, that if you're going to check out a group, and you go, and you don't really like it, then go to a different one. It's totally okay. I don't want there to be any sort of guilt or any sort of weirdness that just because you go to a group once means you have to keep going to it. 
We want you to keep going to a group until, or keep going to different groups until you find the one that works for you and where you really feel comfortable at. And the other thing about belong groups is this, is that they end every five months. And you say, well, why is that? Because research has shown that if things are easy to join and also easy to leave, then people are more likely to join. Because you don't feel like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to a community group for the rest of my life. No, you're just committing to the next few months. And then we take a month off, and then we start them all up again. So we'll take June off, and then they'll all start up again in July. And then we'll take December off, and then they'll all start up again in January. And so you can go to the same group over and over again if you want to develop long-term relationships. Or every session, you could try a different group just to engage in a variety of community. And, and so uh, it's great for our facilitators, and it's great for everybody that it's easy to get in, it's easy to get out. And that's the whole point is we want as many people as possible to get in and be a part of the groups. So we're going we're gonna to show our video announcements, and then we're going to dismiss. And after you've grabbed your refreshments, come meet us out in the lanai. Come talk to all the different facilitators and, and then sign up for a group. Again, signing the clipboard doesn't commit you to anything. It just helps us to gauge how much interest there is in each group so we kind of know how many people to expect. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, I just pray a blessing over everybody that's here today. I thank you that you brought them here this day to hear your word being taught and to hear the testimony of Mark and Val and to experience your presence through the music and the worship. God, I pray that they would leave here today strengthened and encouraged. I pray, God, that you would awaken in their hearts a longing, a longing to go deeper with you, a longing to grow, a longing to experience intimacy, and that they would leave here today understanding, oh, the community is the way to fulfill that longing. For those that have never been a part of small group community, call them today. For those that have been missing it, draw them back. For those that have been a part of it, God, deepen their commitment that we would all have a longing for small group community together. We thank you for this. We give you all the praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.